So we're going to have we're going to have a wonderful time in our heart like my wife has eloquently said is we want you to leave or be in the process of leaving this time with one yoke on you. And that yoke is easy and it's light. And so we've asked the Holy Spirit to come, and Isaiah declares that the anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. And so we want the yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointing from heaven to just saturate your being. And that you would leave or be in the process of leaving with one yoke left. Because this life is tough enough without having to carry more than your yoke. That was good, preacher. Amen. Yes, it was good. It was good. But the promise of heaven, the promise of my Father and Jesus is my yoke is easy and it's light. Now, I don't know about you. I've been a Christian my whole life. And it hadn't been easy and it hadn't been light. So something, either he lied or I'm doing something wrong. Do you feel me? Because if it's true, it's true. And I have to believe that the Word of God is inerrant without, without error. And if that is true, and my walk is not easy, and my load is not light, then I'm doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. Hmm. So that's, that's what this weekend is about. It's about freedom. And... What we want to do is we want to share stories with you. We're going to give you um, some, not suggestions, but just some of our life examples. And what we want you to do is, I, I don't want you to take them as your own. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do. And whatever he highlights, that's what you do. Now, I have heroes. Anybody have heroes? Christian heroes? I got Heroes. I got like Iron Man. I would love to have that suit. Back when I was a child, there was Marine Boy. No one ever remembers Marine Boy. Nobody. Anybody here remember Marine Boy? I promise there was a cartoon called Marine Boy. He had these little shoe jet packs on his shoes. Anyway, like Iron Man, he's cool. Superman, you know, he's, he's okay, but he's not as cool as Batman. Batman is awesome. My son, when I was when I, in Thailand, we were in Thailand, last Cambodia last year, and I was leaving at, at night and going to rescue girls out of traffic, and I'd come back early in the morning, and my son, my, he was four at the time, called me Batman. Why am I Batman? Because you go out at night and save people. Come on, baby. That was awesome. He goes, Dad, I want to be Batman too. I said, you're a little young, but pretty soon. So I have, I have superheroes, and Batman's cool. Iron Man, he's pretty cool. Thor, I love his hammer. I have some Christian heroes, too. I don't just have other heroes. I have, like Heidi Baker, she's one of my heroes. She's just awesome. She's just a sweetheart. My brother, he's one of my heroes. And he, I caught him in his office the other day. He had this book. And I said, is that it, Bill? He said, what? Is that the Bible that you receive from the angels that no one else has? <laughs> you and Joseph Smith, he just got it from the wrong angel? Amen. <laughs> that has to be. Is that the book? Is that it? He goes, no, it's not. And I said, well, where's the book? Because <laughs> my wife and I are convinced he got a special Bible that none of us got. Because the way he reads his is completely different than the way I read mine. You know what I'm saying? If you've ever heard him talk, he says a line, and it's, it's, it's like a sermon for the next three months for pastors. Oh, that's good right there. Yeah, I'm going to preach on that for a year. Yeah. That's, that's why he's so popular for pastors. They just get all kinds of sermons, and they just, amen. So Bill, he's one of my heroes. David Hogan, he's another one of my heroes. and You know, he's just a madman. I remember the first time I met him. I got my special juice, go-go juice right there. I figured I'm going to be here while I better put some Zip Fizz in there. It's a California thing, Zip Fizz. 
makes you all excited. Like I need some help. So Hogan, he's just a madman. I remember when I first saw him, my brother turned around. I sat behind, we were sitting behind him. He goes, he gives you the right for you to be you. Because he's, he's just a wild dude. He's fun. So I got these heroes that I look to. And, but, you know, I don't want to be like any of them. I, I, I love them. I think they're amazing. Oh, I don't want that to spill. I mean, Hogan, I'm in competition with him to raise more dead people. He's way ahead. He's raised over 500. I've only been involved in two. So I've got to get busy. But he, he's amazing. Then Bill, yeah, just the way he talks makes my brain hurt, my spirit happy. <laughs> Heidi, she's just, you look in her eyes, you see, like my wife said, Jesus. I've seen Jesus. I've seen his eyes, and he has the same eyes that Heidi does. And if you remember Bob Jones, Bob Jones had the same eyes Jesus has. So, uh, seldom, but sometimes I get to see those eyes. And, uh, but I have no desire to be like them. Remember Paul in the Bible, he says, mimic me as I mimic Christ. He was, to mo he was motivating one of the churches and yeah, I don't want to be like Paul either. Paul, phenomenal man of God. Just really, it's going to be exciting to meet him in heaven, but I don't want to be like him. And then there's King David. That's the one I can relate to the most. You know, King David, you know, just ripping the devil's lips off everywhere he went. Warrior. I mean, that's, that's, that's my kind of man right there. And so I look at all these ones of old and ones that are still around and I'm inspired by them, but here's, here's sometimes where I think we get um, distracted, at least for me, get distracted. And if it makes sense to you, is I, especially here in, in these United States, we want the formula. We want to know the how-to. If you ever hear my brother, you know, signs and wonders follow him, miracles, healings. So I, I want to do that. You know, I, I'm, I long for the day that my shadow hits someone that's sick and they get healed. That's why I bring a flashlight with me. I practice. <laughs> you know. It's usually in my bag right there, but I took it out last night so I could find my way to the bathroom in the hotel. But, <laughs> because when you're over 50, you just go see that place more often than you did when you were 20. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, amen. So I, I, I admire the people. And then, you know, the way, use my brother as an example. You know, when he talks, it's revelation. It's like, where did you get that? And then, but I've seen him. I've, I've known him my whole life. <laughs> and he's, he hadn't changed. He's the same day in and day out. And he, he loves the word. And he reads. He gets revelation if he needs something, he goes to the Word. And he'll sit there and read and read and read, and he'll just read and read and read and read until he gets something. And I'm going, I don't have that kind of time, nor patience. So I see what it cost him to get where he is, quick obedience, and just devours the Word like, like nothing else. And he'll just, he'll just saturate on one chapter again and again and again for days and for months just one chapter, he'll just continue to eat. And <laughs> whatever. <laughs> God bless you, my brother. Uh, that's not me. So, but some people say, well, that's, that's what I want. Or you could be like David Hogan, and you go, he's, I want to raise dead people. Man, I want to beat, I want to beat devils up, which he does all the time. I want to do that. So, well, you, then you have to pray in Spanish for two hours every day. Well, actually, he listens to the Spanish Bible loudly and prays in tongues for two hours every morning, and then he fasts every other day. So if you want to raise dead people, that must be the formula. Spanish Bible loud, <laughs> pray in tongues, and fast every other day. 
But see, that's what we like. We like, just tell me how to do it. it that's been a long time, ever since the children of Israel in the desert. Don't, don't, just tell us what to do, Moses. Tell us what to do and we'll do it. And so what I want you to understand is my wife already said it. There's only one you. That's it. And the way that you're going to get to what you're supposed to do is not via the example of someone else. It's not through their successes or failures, but it's totally dependent on your relationship with the Holy Spirit and what he's asking you to do. Now, the Holy Spirit may use someone to highlight something that you're supposed to do. And how does he highlight? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I don't want us to, as the old cliche says, everyone is born as an original, but most people die as copies. I don't want to be a copy of anything, anybody. But the only way not to be a copy is don't copy. <laughs> but that's pretty tough, isn't it? Because we devour books. We devour sermons. We devour, and that's good because it feeds our spirit. I'm not against that. I love to hear and feed the spirit man inside. But when it starts dictating to my soul and my habits, then it just becomes religion. And it works. Don't miss that. If I apply things that are successes in other people's life, it will work for a season. But then you'll have to carry it yourself after a while. And that's why one of the reasons we get yokes that we're not supposed to have is you get excited. You get hungry. Hunger is a good thing because it drives you. It, it, it just makes you go and it makes you do your due diligence and your discipline and to go after something because God gave you a taste for it. And he may just give you a little hint and then we go on that hint, but that hint just stays and that's all we do and it becomes a religious event. And then all of a sudden I have to carry the very thing that was the joy a year or two ago. And so that's, I'm really sad to see so many constipated believers you know what a constipated believer looks like? <laughs> and, and then when you talk to them, you know what words come out of their mouth? Oh, it's just so tough. The devil's been against me all week long. No, you don't understand. He's been attacking my family. He made my son swallow a coin. <laughs> my babies have all had fevers. Oh, God help us. Indeed, my mortgage is due, my rent is late, and my body hurts. Or oh, then my back, I hurt. And all of a sudden, the focus comes on the attack because our eyes came off of Jesus. See, I'm, I'm going to be of the mindset of Smith Wigglesworth. He was in a hotel room one night, and he heard the rocking chair rocking. He got up and looked over, and it was Lucifer. He looked at him and says, oh, it's just you. Rolled over and went back to sleep. If that would have happened to me, I would have wet my bed, started praying in tongues, and hid myself under the covers. But apparently Smith had been used to his visiting, so he said, oh, it's just you. And he's, he's a toothless dog. He has a big bark. But according to the Bible, if it's inerrant, he's been defeated. He's been defeated, and the only power and authority he has is what we give him. And the only one we give it to him is when we agree with him. The only time I can agree with him is if I'm carrying stuff I'm not supposed to have, and it's getting hard to do it. But the Bible's given me a promise. It's light and it's easy. So if your life is not light and easy, it's time to make adjustments. Time to ask the Holy Ghost to come on in and just incinerate the stuff that you're not supposed to have and for there to be freedom and joy again, joy bubbling out your belly. Like my wife said, you can laugh at it. Just laugh at it. Sometimes she laughs and it's not funny. <laughs> and then she tries to sozo me. Pray for me. Pray for me. 
Are you with me so far? Yeah. Now, tonight, I'm just, we're just kind of setting a foundation. Tomorrow, it's going to be more just kind of classes. Tomorrow, you can ask questions. Um, we'll have plenty of time, not just at the end, but we'll have different questions and stuff. It's not just me and my wife up here yapping. But today is just kind of setting, tonight's setting a foundation to get, get us started um, in discovery for what's your yes, what, what is the very thing that you're going to live for, and what's the very thing you're going to die for. So what I've done is the thing that gets me along, the thing that gets me um, why soul anchors are important. Anchors of your soul are what's going to keep you when the storm comes. If you've been in this walk very long, you know that there's an adversary, correct? There's someone that does not want us to succeed. As much as Father wants us to succeed, He wants us not to. And in so doing, He wants to make not only life miserable, but for us to deny the name of Jesus. And so it's very important that you discover anchors of your soul. Anchors of your soul are different than habits that you do to mimic men or women of God. The examples I gave earlier, well, I want to I be like Bill Johnson, so I'm going to read, 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 and read, and read, and read. I'm going to read all day long, read all night long. Or like David Hogan, I got all the things we have to do. <coughs> or be like Heidi, so I have to move to Africa and live in the bush bush and feed children. So we're looking for formulas, and, and Holy Spirit's not looking for a formula. His main concern, his main desire is this thing right here in every one. It's your heart. He knows your heart. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, all during your life. And so the anchors are something that I've referred to as those things that God has shown me throughout my life. He didn't show all of them at once, and I'll, I'll take you through them, but they're anchors that he's shown me through my life that I, as Bob, Bub, Bubba Johnson, with my DNA, with the way that he's fashioned me, with my temperament, with my personality, I'm an A-type personality coupled with O-blood type. What does that mean? It means we get her done. We're a bull in a china shop, but it don't matter. We're going to get it done. And so he knows exactly my temperament. He knows my shortcomings. He knows my giftings. He knows all of that. And so with that, if you hear and you listen, he's going to give you keys, what I call anchors of the soul, that are keys to your life for success, for the longevity of your life. And what I mean, I'm here for at least the first step is 120 years. In Genesis, which is Old Covenant, says man's days are 120 years. Is that what it says? Old Covenant. Hebrews talks about a better covenant with better promises. Well, I'm going to have faith for the Old Covenant first. And then maybe I'll try to outlive Methuselah or somebody. I don't know. Well, <coughs> or maybe I'll just be in competition with Enoch until I walk no more. Amen. You guys need to read the word. Anyway. So I'm going to share with you anchors for me, because you have to understand, in Psalms 139, it says how incredibly woven and intricate each one of you are. God knows exactly what makes you tick. He knows what pushes your buttons. He knows what fires you up, good and bad. And so the Holy Spirit was sent because Jesus obeyed to the point of death on a cross, he was ro rose again. Now he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he sent the Holy Ghost to us to what? Be a helpmate, a helper. And so this helpmate, this helper, has come alongside to help us not just hang in there, baby, but as the premise from my brother's book, When Heaven Invades Earth, and if you haven't got that book, you need to read it. It's just awesome, one of my favorite books is as in 1 John 4, 17, as, as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God. He is all authority, all power. 
He is right now, which is present tense. There's no sickness, no death, no hopelessness, no fear. He's in complete euphoria in heaven, sitting next to his Father in heaven. As he is, so are we in this world. We have an ability to be that way here also. We're not to just hang in there and hopefully make it to the end. Oh, baby, I just don't know if we can make it. Pray for me. I don't know. The end's coming. Have you looked around? Have you seen the devastation? Have you seen the wars and rumors of wars? I hope we make it. You kidding? I'm going to be ripping devil's lips off all the way up on the rapture. I'm going to see one. Yeah. I'm not going to hang in there, baby. Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. Is that what it says? I'm more than a conqueror. And so we have to get out of a pessimistic hanging in there, barely making it mentality. Hang on to the rapture. It's like the cat in the tree. Uh-uh, I'm the lion in the bush waiting to pounce on the devil. And so it's all a matter of how you see. You can read Scripture one way or you can read it the other way. And I want you to read it like the one Scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. No, I read it differently. When the enemy comes in like a flood... God will raise a standard against him. It's all high. Well, I got goosebumps on that one. Like a tsunami, God will raise a standard against him. And so I'm going to share things that the Holy Spirit has shown me because he knows me. You don't adapt these. You don't take them. How do you know if one's for you? Because you're going to look back after tonight. You're going to look back on your life on your walk with God, and the Holy Spirit's going to highlight maybe one or two or maybe even more that things that you must do to be the best you that you can be. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in you becoming free. I'm interested in you becoming the best you because there's only one of you, and we need you big time. And I want you to have the greatest success that you can ever imagine. And so to do that, you need to be disciplined to a degree and do your due diligence and partner with the Holy Spirit because he knows exactly what, where, when, how, and, and, and it you need. I just had to throw someone else in there. Are you following me so far? Okay, so one of mine, my first one is I learned, I learned this uh, when I was young. Obey quickly. I'm a good soldier. I'm also a great son, and I'm working on becoming a, a really good friend. But as a good soldier, my key is just to obey quick. When the Holy Spirit says to do something, I got to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I got to agree with it. How many agree every time when God tells you to do something? No. I don't have to agree with it, but I need to obey quick. So one of the things we teach my wife and I teach our kids is to obey quick, to avoid, obey their mom and dad's voice quickly because we're instilling in them when daddy talks, don't two out of three them. Don't fleece this side and fleece that. Say, yes, dad. Yes, sir. You got it done. And I have the right I have the right as a child, as a son of God, to petition and put a demand on the word. Now, what do you mean? My little kids, they're five, four, two, one, and eight months. They wake up in the morning. You know what the first thing they tell me? Not, Daddy, I love you. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. And I said, sweetheart, did you eat yesterday? Yeah, but I'm hungry today. <laughs> Honey, did I feed you yesterday? Yes, but I'm, my tummy hurts. That's all they know. They're five and four, those, and the two-and-a-half-year-old. They just know their tummy hurts, and they want food. Now, according to the Word of God, I can go to Matthew chapter 7. Don't turn there. And I can see that if you knock, it shall be opened. If you seek, you'll find. And... If you ask, it will be given to you. And I go on. If 
I know how to give good gifts to my kids. How much more will the Father who in heaven give to his kids? So I can go through here, or I can go to Luke 18, where it talks about the, the widow that petitioned the unjust judge and bugged him to the point so much for justice that he said, finally, woman, so you don't continue to bother me, I'll give you justice. I'm not a God-fearing man, but you're bugging me. I'll do what you ask. And it goes on to say, right after that, is it, here is an unjust judge, a non-God-fearing judge, that will do justice because of petitioning, prayer, how much more will I, Father in heaven, give to my kids? But then it goes on, the next verse in 18.8, in, uh, it says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I have the right as a child of God to say, hey, Father, you said that you will give me more than enough. I can stand on that word and I declare it. I can stand on the word and say, this is what you said. Come on, prove it, prove it, prove it. Can I do that? I can. Or I can say, you know, Dad, you're, you're good and you're faithful. And I'm not going to put demand on you for something. Because I know you're good and I know you're faithful. But sometime we're going to have to grow up and be, quit being babies and kids, five-year-olds, and say, Dad, I'm hungry. You said you'd give me food. Yeah, I did. I said I'd give you food. But Daddy, you said there's a time when we grow up and we say, all right, I know your word is true and I'm going to live by that and I'm going to obey quick. And so when he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it quick. So I have to, when he says to do something, obey quick. I have a friend. Anybody heard of Bobby Connors? You guys know Bobby Connors here? Yeah? He's, he's crazy, man. He was uh, in a meeting once. I've never done anything like this yet, and I pray I don't have to. He was in a meeting, and he was standing next to uh, an ambassador from, another, uh, from a different country. And the Lord goes something like this. I don't know exactly, but because I get the stories mixed up. But the gist is true. He was standing there, and God says, I want you to lean over to this man and nibble on his ear. And when you're nibbling on his ear, I want you to tell him wonderful things about me. So Bobby knows he's an ambassador, you know, from another, he's a distinguished man. But Bobby, he's just a good old Southern Baptist preacher. He said, all right. So he leans over, starts nibbling on the man's ear, started telling the man about wonderful things about God. The man falls out in the spirit. Now, the man's not a believer when he went down. Fell out in the Holy Ghost. When he comes up, he shares the story with Bobby. He got saved when he was laying on the floor because he would, his wife had just passed, this ambassador's wife, and the wife was a believer, a very strong believer. And every night as they would go to sleep, she would lean over to her husband and nibble on his ear and whisper things about her God. So here's a distinguished man that got saved as a result of a man that obeyed quickly. I heard that story, and I was working on the streets of San Francisco, and I said, oh, God, please. Please, Lord. I know the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, but can I do something else? So obeying quickly, it's just without hesitation. You just... Do what you're supposed to do. Lots of times you won't see the result. But it's not a matter of the result. It's a matter of obeying quickly. So for me, I have to obey quick. And so I've had to do things that were not comfortable. But I obeyed quick. Sometimes I got to see the fruit. Other times I might get to see the fruit when I get to glory. So that's enough. I won't say anymore. I got enough. The second thing I... I that what became an a, uh, anchor for my soul is to memorize the Word. And uh, not reading mass quantities of the Word, but just, have you ever, when you're reading the Word, all of a sudden one verse stands out, just kind of slaps you upside the head, and you're going, whoa, that is just rhema. 
Yes? This means yes, this means no. Okay, this, yes, all right. So that's called rhema word. Logos is the written, rhema is the spirit breathed. And so there are times when the spirit breathes on a verse and it's life to your soul. I would encourage you to memorize it. And so early on when I was young, God had me start memorizing the word. And I'd memorize lots and lots and lots of the word is because it's, for me, my heart is to be a samurai soldier. No shield, but two swords, you know. So when the arrows come by, I, I know the word so much that as he comes, what did Jesus use to fight the devil with? The word. And so it's not even a thought, but it's more of a, a, a reflex that the enemy can't even come near my dwelling because it's so impacted with the word that when he comes in, and he'll come in with all kinds of crazy things, but if for me to know the word like he wanted me to know it, to memorize it, it's, it's, it's just silly talk when he talks because it's so contrary to what I've put in my heart. And so knowing where I was going, knowing the type of person that I am, he required me to memorize uh, mass, mass quantities of the word. And so here's one scripture I want to read real quick. And usually I let the scripture reading to the pastors, but the evangelist is actually going to read something in his Bible, right here, his Bible. <laughs> I have another Bible, and my wife says, don't you miss it? And I said, no. She says, don't you just miss smelling the pages? I said, no. Don't you miss this paper? In the, I go, no. Why not? Because I can't make it bigger. It just, it's printed like it's printed, and I keep going like this. <clears throat> and it doesn't change. But over here, I just go to this button there. Oh, I need to make that font a little bit bigger this time. Oh, hey, yeah, I can read that. I don't need no glasses. <laughs> you see, I can even underline it all pretty colors and everything. So, <clears throat> my delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, I meditate day and night. And I shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. I like that. All throughout, all throughout this good book, <clears throat> there's promises of, as you put this word in your heart, you won't sin against God. It's about just saturating yourself with the truth. And so one of the things that, that I have to do because of my makeup, because I'm more of a soldier mentality, I'm going to go into the dark places whether you go or not. It's, it doesn't matter. I, the darker it is, the greater the invitation for me. The more danger, the greater the invitation. And so with that kind of a mindset, God knows that, so he knows. Okay, soldier, you got to obey quick. You have to understand that if you're going to be in this kind of situation in darkness, that you're going to have to, you have to hone your ears to hear my voice. And when I say to do something, you do it quickly. Are you following me? Because that's, that's where I go, and if I don't discipline myself after these anchors of my soul, when I'm in that situation, I'm going to get messed up. So God knows exactly your call. He knows your gift. He, he knows what excites you. He knows um, what you get, you're enthusiastic about. And so he's going to fashion things for you. Some of you are going, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go in where that's that kind of stuff. Others of you are going, sign me up. I'm with you. Others of you go, well, can I sing in the car outside with you? And then I'll just sing and bring the presence. All of it works together. Does that make sense? See, I have singers. We have worshipers that worship when we go into darkness. They keep the skies open so the Marines can go and kick booty on the ground. So I have it all covered. I just can't do all things at all times. So just understand how it works, and the reason why this works for me is because of my destiny and what I do. Now, my brother, he's not fashioned like this. He doesn't have a desire 
to go into the hell holes of the world. I don't have a desire to go into the hell holes he goes into. Large churches. It's amazing what you say under the anointing. <laughs> or worse yet, can you imagine getting 2,000 pastors together? God help me. <laughs> I will be like David Hogan. I'll kill them all, Lord. <laughs> Let me be your hand extended. <laughs> but see how we're made different? And so, tonight, as you go to sleep, take time. I'm not done yet. I'm going to go through a few more. And just think back. Now, I got the Obey quickly when I was in my teens. I got to memorize the word when I was in my 20s. So these, they don't all of a sudden, there's not 10 things that come to you when you're 18 years old. Well, this and this and this is. No, that's called fads. <laughs> I'm not talking about fads. Fads are good. You go through and there's stuff that you do or, or diets. I'm not talking about diets either. I'm talking about lifestyle. These are things that unless you do, if you don't do them, your edge is not going to be as sharp and you're going to kind of go up and down, up and down. And you wonder why you go up and down, up and down. I don't want to go up and down. I want to slowly go up. No roller coaster. Just, we just very slow. I'm in it for the long haul. Like I said before, <clears throat> 120 is my first goal. To do that, I have to understand I'm, I'm not in a hurry. Nor is God. I don't have to do it all myself. But then again, I don't sit back and sit on my hands and wait for Him to do it. I have to do what He's asked me to do because I'm a part of the puzzle. But I have to enjoy life. If I don't enjoy life and have a mentality, well, when I get to heaven, then I can go ahead and enjoy heaven I'm going to have a surprise coming to me. And there's not different levels of heaven. I'm not going to go there. But I think heaven's going to be a little surprising for some of us. <laughs> I'll just leave that like that. So the third, the third thing I got was exercise. Now, again, I'm not putting any of this on you. This is all... God knows I'm made up. I'm, you guys have heard of Jack, uh, Jack Hayford? Jack Hayford, real apostle of the Foursquare. Um, I remember I had my father and he knew each other. And so I remember when I was a young, young lad, in my, probably 20 years old, having lunch with him. And he shared a story with me about uh, Mexican food. He said, that's my favorite food on the planet, Mexican food. I said, oh, yes, amen. Chicana glory. <laughs> amen. So, yeah. In fact, we had, we had some Chicana glory tonight. And how, how this is how I, I know you're not supposed to judge lest you be judged, but this is how I judge a pastor at a church when I go see him. If he takes me to Mexican food, he loves God. If he takes me to a buffet, he's of the devil. <laughs> so, uh, the man, man and woman of God over here have blessed me and my wife with Chicana glory. <laughs> so he was saying, I love Mexican food. And I said, amen, Jack. He said, and I was eating it every day. I said, amen. <laughs> he said, but then the Holy Spirit talked to me. I said, what? He said, Jack, you want to live a long time? Yes, I do. He said, you have to stop eating that every day. He said, I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> no, he didn't. And they had a conversation, the Holy Spirit and Jack, because he said, I know exactly what you're made of. I know your insides are out. I know your system. And for you to do this, it's not that you can't have it, but to eat it every day. It won't be beneficial for your longevity, for the, for the marathon race that you want to run. So it was so in tune that even with food, he had to dial in and make adjustments in his life. So for exercise, 
Again, for my personality, my even scientists have proven even my blood type, for my blood type demands very strenuous physical exercise. It's best for my nervous system. It's best for my personality. And if I don't do strenuous exercise, people suffer. <laughs> Mainly my wife. But if I go to the gym and throw iron around and sweat and grunt and groan, and that may just, you go, I'm not going to do that. I didn't say it for you to do that. I'm saying for me to survive in this life, I have to do that. And so he showed me that in my late 20s, early 30s. And I haven't been successful all the time. It comes in waves. Because sometimes you just get crazy busy or you have five children, five and under. Can I hear, can I hear diapers? Amen. <laughs> and it, it just gets, life gets crazy sometimes. We're leaving in month to go to Asia for seven weeks and eat rice and chicken. God help us. To me, chicken is a vegetable. <laughs> Just saying. There's only one. They say, would you like some meat? I said, yes. And they bring me chicken. I said, that's not meat. Yes. No, meat is red. <laughs> and it bleeds when you cut it. That's meat. So anyway, back to the anointing. So it, life happens, but there has, there has to be, and, and we're all, my wife and I are constantly adjusting and making adjustments because life gets complicated. And so we're having to keep each other's soul anchors. <clears throat> I keep mine, she keeps mine, bef she keeps mine before me and I keep hers for her. So I have to make sure hers are her priority and, and, and mine are hers. She does that for me, I do that for her. I know it didn't come out right, but that's what I meant. You meant what I knew. And so with exercise, is very important to me. Not so I, I look, you know, like Mr. Beef here when I go in to rescue a girl. But it does help, though. <laughs> it does help to look like a cop. Anyway, so a big one. It just is what it is. But for my mentality, for my soul, for my spirit... And from my body, they have to work in unison together. And this is one of the keys for me is exercise. Again, because he knows how I'm woven. Uh, another thing for me is, and I learned this. I learned it when I was in my 30s. I lost it at, let's see, I lost it in the end of my 30s. And I found it again at the end of my 40s. And so I discovered the presence, presence of God. I need the presence. And I was, uh, I worked for my brother up in Weaverville. I was pastoring with him, his little small town, for 11 years. And then I went and pioneered a church in Reading. I started, I was in Reading before he was. Just so you know, I was there first. <laughs> Very important. He doesn't let people know that, but I prepared the way. I was the beheaded John. Amen. And I remember going into his office in Weaverville and telling him, I said, Bill, you know, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm pastoring, going to start a church called Frontline in Reading. And I said, you're going to be there next. You're going to be the next pastor of Bethel. And he says, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, you are. God already told me. But just remember, I was there first. <laughs> and I felt like, I felt like the baker and the cupbearer in prison because he didn't remember. Okay, some of you read the word on that one, so that's good. So, <clears throat> so we would have uh, my favorite meeting of the week. I mean, we had, I had 20-something buses. I was convinced God was coming back in a white bus, not a white horse. And I had buses. I drove a bus. We would turn buses into Sunday school rooms, to classrooms. We, we used them to bus people too, but we turned them anything I could think of. We had a military camoed bus, and we had bunks in it in a bathroom. We'd go out, and we had fun with buses. But uh, um, our, my favorite night of the week was Tuesday night. It was called Praise and Warfare. 
And we would come together and we would just love God. We'd pray and we'd sing and we'd love God for two, three, four hours. And, and I would play on, I, I play on the keyboard and I, I just love to sing and play and we would go on and on. And sometimes the band would keep going and I would go off and I would waltz with Jesus. Just me and him, we'd go, we had a big old warehouse and I would just go and, and waltz with Jesus throughout the thing. And then eventually I'd come back and get back to the keys and we would just go after the presence. And then I um, went to San Francisco and started working on the streets there. And to, to make it there, I had to become what's called itinerant minister, missionary. So I would preach on Sundays all around the place. And I would be gone 48 to 50 Sundays a year preaching different places. And so we'd go out on Sunday and preach a couple places, me and my associate. And we'd be in usually two different churches on Sunday. And and then we come home, and we got to experience some pretty bad worship. Just really bad stuff. And after, you know, like six years of this, 48, 50 weeks times two, 100, that's 6,800, no, 4,800 bad services. This starts to rub you the wrong way. And I became jaded, and I became a cynic, and I lost my first love. And I didn't even know. It didn't happen all of a sudden. It was just a gradual thing, and it was like, get this thing over with. Hurry up. Please, God, help me. Just get me the mic so I can get down to business and get people saved and delivered and healed and get out of this thing. That was my mentality. It became that because I lost my first love. And either rightfully so or whatever, it just happened. And I was up hunting because hunting is what Christians do. Actually, we weren't hunting. We were killing animals. Amen. <laughs> we're in Georgia. We're in the South, baby. You better be killing animals and not hugging them. One of the biggest turkeys I ever shot was in Georgia, bless God. <laughs> Big old beard down to here. Man, it was awesome. Anyway. Oh, you know it's truth. So my brother and I were hunting in Montana. And we were antelope hunting. Fun time. So we finished our hunt and we were going back to the airport. We were going to stay in a hotel, but there was a rodeo in that little town. So... There was no hotels available. So we ended up staying at the airport until the flight in the morning. And so we tried to sleep, but we couldn't. And, and uh, I was in San Francisco ministering, and then Bill was in Bethel. And so he says, hey, have you seen Kim Walker's video? And I go, no. You ought to see it. And I'm thinking to myself, whatever. I don't want to see that girl screaming. <clears throat> Sheesh, I want to sleep. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking it. Going, oh, mercy. I got to watch this thing. So he gets his laptop, puts the disc in, and I'm sitting there watching it and appeasing the brother. And I'm pretend watching it. And then all of a sudden, I feel something melting off of me. And so I watched another one and another one, and I said three or four songs. And, and I realized that sitting in the airport in this little podunk town in Montana that I had lost my first love and by just pretending to watch Kim Walker in her first album that this jaded skepticism melted off me and my heart returned to my first love. And so for me, presence is, is very important. And it doesn't look the same in everyone's life what presence is. Sometimes presence can be waltzing or it could be lifting your hands or in praise or laying, laying on the floor on your face. Or it could be just putting ear, earbuds in and, and listening to, <clears throat> what's the new album? We Will Not Be Shaken. Oh, that's good. And just going someplace else. So, but soaking in the presence is just taking in glory. 
Whatever that looks like for you, that's what I, I have to have as an anchor. Almost done. One, one more and then a scarlet thread that ties them all. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Okay. And then I'm going to give you your assignment for tonight. The last one, it's called Kairos Moments. A Kairos moment. Kairos means heaven time. Heaven's time. We live in Kronos time, which is 24 hours a day. Kairos is heaven's time, which there is no time. Time doesn't exist in heaven. And so, have you ever had one of those moments on earth that it felt like time stood still and it was just this ha ah! moment? You heard the Mormon tabernacle sing, hallelujah. You heard that and, and the light shone and there's just, just something that happened. Those are Kairos moments. And I believe, again, the premise from my brother's book, as it is in heaven, so it is here on earth, all throughout the day there's Kairos moments. I think a lot of them we miss because we, we, my wife and I, get so busy and caught up in things or just doing life that we miss a Kairos moment. A Kairos moment can be as simple as um, you know, we have the new album on on TV and all of a sudden we see our two-and-a-half-year-old stand in front of the TV with his hands raised. We didn't teach him that. All of a sudden, he's just praising Jesus. And we look at each other and go, oh, we're good parents. We are awesome. <laughs> Even though they didn't come from us, it's just he recognized the presence. And that, for us, that's a Kairos moment. I was in Norway a couple years ago, and I was introduced to a kebab. Anybody had a kebab? It's heaven on a bun. It's lamb sliced lamb, and it's had this bread that is this huge and this special sauce. I'd never had one. So the pastor I was staying with brought home dinner. He said, this is a kebab. Never heard of it. <coughs> Took a bite. The earth stood still. <laughs> My taste buds in unison celebrated. And I said, this is Jesus on a bun. <laughs> Literally, it was lamb. Jesus, yeah. this was, you have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. Well, I was doing it on a kebab. And it was one of the most exhilarating bites I've ever, it was just, I remember and talk about it to still to this moment. That's a Kairos moment. A Kairos moment is, is something that gets your attention. And if, if I don't stop and take a moment, I can miss it. But if I stop and I take a moment, <coughs> I breathe in heaven. And it's refreshing to my soul, to my spirit, and to my physical being also. So I, we learned Kairos moments probably, I don't know, four, three, four years ago. When I was 50. I learned Kairos moments. And so understand, I'm going to talk a little bit more about a Kairos, but understand these anchors of my soul didn't, he didn't give me 10 when I was 18. I got one. And I did what I was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, boom, I have another one. Because he sees your makeup. He sees your uh, destiny and your call. And he's going to establish these points along the way that are going to be st stability and strength and, and uh, a support system so you can run for the long haul. So you can reach your destiny. So Kairos moment is, is, you've seen those sunsets, those beautiful sunsets. How many times do we stop for them? Not a lot because we've seen a lot of them. But why don't the next time you see it, pull your car over and just breathe it in. Just look at that. Absolutely. And then what we do is we talk, we talk. We go, Dad, Father, you, did, you outdid yourself on that one. That is just absolutely astonishing. Or if it's, if it's scenery or a flower or, or something, we just stop and breathe it in and say, oh, Daddy, this is absolutely astounding. And it's earth stands still and wraps into heaven's time. And then you'll see how much earth 
is being invaded by heaven all day long. It's absolutely all day long. But if I'm too busy and I'm in a hurry and I have an agenda, I'm going to miss it at least 80 times out of 81. And once in a while, I'll catch it just because I can't help but miss it. But I would like you to catch all of them and just take a moment and stop and breathe and breathe it in. And the thing that ties it all together is I, uh, because of my personality and type, I just had to get one instruction from God and I'll do it. He said, go. Yes, sir, I'm gone. And then what I would do is I would make it happen. And most of the time, I would get so far ahead of God that I was carrying it all. I was spinning the plates, juggling the balls, bringing in the finances, making sure that what God told me to do is going to happen. And the first thing that left was the joy. Because joy in the journey, whatever, highly overrated. I don't need joy. I'll be happy when I get to heaven. Golly gosh, darn it. I'm a soldier, just leave me alone. Got things to do, people to see, demons to beat, souls to save, amen. Hallelujah, glory. But the first thing that leaves is joy. And we decided if there's no joy in it, we're not doing it. If it's not bringing joy to our souls, we're not going to partner with it. Because if it's not bringing joy to our very being, it's not for us to do. If it needs to get done, and well, I guess I'm the one that's going to get her done. But I'm not happy about it. It doesn't bring joy to my soul and my bones. Mm -mm. Because it costs too much. Have you ever read, anybody in here read God's Generals, the book? I would really highly recommend that. It's about some great men and women of God that have gone before us that just really had an impact on this world. And it's done very, very uh, in honor, honorably. But it also shared shortcomings that some of these folks had. And most of them, I don't know if all, but most of them died before their time. They died way before their time because they wore themselves out. And because they got the call, they know what they're supposed to do. And like me and my personality, I'm going to get her done. God, you told me and you've equipped me. You gave me the word of God. And everything you said in this, I have. Everything you said I can do, I can do. And, and I believe it. So we're going. Me and the word. And that works. And I could do it. Just with me and the word, I, I did it. I had large fruit, big fruit, great fruit. But it exacted a price. And I will go way before my time if that's how I choose to live. And so it's really important. There's joy in it. Does joy mean happiness all the time? No, I'm grumpy a lot. <laughs> but I'm working on that. I'm grumpy a lot because I have five kids, five and under. Amen. No. They, be, they bring me the greatest joy and they bring me the greatest other stuff. <laughs> Just like I do with Father. <laughs> I bring him the greatest joy and I bring him the greatest other stuff. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but joy is, it's not self-gratification. It's, it's, it's beyond happiness. It's, it's a, uh, something that's deep down in your soul. And then you can laugh. And you can have fun. You can have a good time. And it doesn't look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. It looks like I'm having a hoot and a nanny. <laughs> so the thing that ties all these souls, the anchors, anchors of my soul together is, man, Lord, heaven's an awesome place and you're preparing it. You've been preparing it ever since you left, Jesus. It's going to be incredible. But give me joy. Jesus said, for the joy set before me endured the cross. The cross wasn't the joy, but the joy set before him was all of y'all. 
in soul. If there's not joy in it, there's not the peace in it, man, don't do it. So how do I find and discover my anchors? Now I'm going to stop with that, and then I'm going to, we're going to pray for you. You find your anchors, uh, the Holy Spirit will highlight it to you. Not someone else, but the Holy Spirit will. And it will be an aha moment. It'll be like, well, yeah, I did that then, and I did it for a while there, and I did it for a while there, and, and I can see when I didn't do it, I was flailing. And those will be, you'll look back and go, okay, that's something that I have to do. It could be something physically. It could be something uh, discipline-wise you need to do. It could be something with spiritual sense. But he will highlight, the Holy Spirit will highlight and give you aha moments, not on fads and diets, but lifestyle. A lifestyle physically for us. <clears throat> Recently, we quit sugar because sugar is not good for me. Not good for my body. And so we quit. And it's not a diet. It's not a temporary fix. It's just, I want to live to be 120. And so in order to do that, I can't put poison in my body. You with me? Okay, so there's adjustments along the way that the Holy Spirit will highlight to you. Now, I'm not telling you, okay, everyone in this room, you need to deny and renounce the demon of sugar. You need to tell that devil to go back to hell where he came from. Now, I'm not saying to do that. I said the Holy Spirit highlighted to us that we were supposed to stop that, and it was easy. It wasn't this trauma we had to go through to be delivered from and I was addicted. I'm Norwegian. My, bo my body requires sugar. It's part of my DNA. And so for me to quit was a miracle of God, and the Holy Spirit had to highlight it because he empowered you to do it. So that's how you know if it's you and you're supposed to do it. The Holy Spirit highlights it, and then he empowers you and gives you not only the appetite, but the desire and the drive to do it. And so when you're discovering, as you just think back and process and spend some time with the Holy Spirit the next, the next week or two or month, just spend time with Him and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are some anchors? You can call them whatever you want. I just call them anchors of my soul. What are some of the things that, that you have made me like that I must do to be the best me that I can be? And he'll show you. He'll, he'll, he'll enlighten you, write him down. And then, you, then you're responsible to do your due diligence. It's not all of a sudden going to happen and you, oh, yeah, this is easy. No, it's work. You have to fight for joy. And it's not, it's, my wife fights for joy for me all the time. She's a great joy fighter. Aren't you, baby? And so we work in t together to fight for these things that are anchors for us because there's a lot that we want to do in life, but we're not in a hurry, and, and we want to say at the end of the day, but God, but God, none of that would have happened. And so, partner with the Holy Ghost, and then we're going to pray for you and give you uh, just a jump start on that. And the reason we're starting off with what is your yes with the anchors is if you don't have the foundation and the anchors to hold you, that when you discover what your yes is and you go after it, you're going to get beat up. So you got to have the foundation and the anchors to hold you because when you go into your destiny, do you think the enemy is going to lie back and go, oh, they discovered what they were made for. <laughs> Bummer for us. Okay, devils, let's go. No, they're going to attack you even worse than they ever have. But again, our eyes aren't on them, not focused on them. We don't get entangled with that mess. We just laugh at them and keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's not easy, but that's what we do. Amen? So put your hands out like this. I'm going to pray for you. And then, baby, you're going to come up. We're going to do uh, just a couple words over some groups. And, and just, we already did one. My wife prayed. Just took some stuff off you. So just put your hands out. I want to bless you. Father, I thank you for this amazing group of people, of giant killers, 
of lovers of you, of, of they have breaker anointings. They'll go into places that will change forever what is done in those places. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would sift through all that I said and that you would highlight in their spirit what needs to be highlighted and that you would give revelation from heaven on those things that they need exactly for them to be the best who they are. How you created them for their destiny, for their call, even for their, their body, their physical body, how it's fashioned and made. And, and some have been lied to about that. That you would give them secrets for even their physical body, even their, their mind, secrets on things that they're to do to bring healing and, and restitution back in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, please, just ask that for each one here that in the next 30 days there'd be just a highlight reels of things that you would breathe on that would empower them and free them. And in these next 30 days, when it's over, they would know they would be, there'd be a spirit of discipline and freedom on them. And there'd also be one yoke left. It's easy in this life. And it's full of joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have one friend of mine.